The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mysteries of life. This episode is a compliment to our upcoming retreat at Hollyhock Lifelong Learning Center on the territory of the Clahoose, Tlaaman, and Hamalco First Nations, commonly known as Cortez Island, BC. More on that at the end of the show. My guest today is my dear, sweet friend, author and consultant, Monique Gray-Smith. And today we're talking about territorial acknowledgements. What are they and why do we do them? As part of my commitment a few years ago to incorporating acts of reconciliation into my personal and professional life, I began inviting elders of all ages to open all of my retreats and workshops with a territorial acknowledgement. And whenever I was invited to give a speech or lead a networking event or any circle of any kind, I would verbally acknowledge the original inhabitants of the territory myself. The only way I figured out how to do this in a more or less really, you know, good way, the best way I could was through the grace of Monique Gray-Smith being patient and kind with me and gently directing and redirecting. I've wanted to host this conversation for a long time so that if you are ever in a position to introduce yourself to an audience or welcome people to an event that you have convened and you too would like to commit to this very small act of reconciliation and acknowledgement, you can feel a bit more confident with Monique offering insight to you too. We connected at my home on the territories of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. So Monique, what identities do you lead with? Hmm, I would say I lead first with mum, being a mum, and then a daughter, and a sister, and a wife. Those would be the ones I would lead most with. And I think about, you know, that I feel like I stand sort of on a bridge that I am the descendant of my ancestors. So I'm that being the daughter, because my grandparents have all passed and being the ancestor to my descendants. Mm. So my children and then the grandchildren who have yet to come. Mm. And I think in that place, then it's like the responsibilities I walk in the world with are... I think about that a lot, about how will my children talk about me when I've passed over to the other side? Mm. And what do I want my grandchildren and great-grandchildren to know? Like, what is that legacy? And so I think when you ask that question, it, it's quite big for me about more than in this moment. Mm. Who am I? And what identities do I lead with? But... Also, what are the legacies that ripple from those identities, for sure. And then I guess in the Western construct, I would also say that I'm an author, a storyteller, a speaker. All the titles. I guess all the titles, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all those things. Well, I'm really excited mm. that uh, you agreed to have this conversation. You and I have talked lots about reconciliation and... Um, you have uh, been a very gentle uh, guide and advisor mm. at times with me of calling me in on some <laughs> things that you sometimes have had to repeat more than once, which I very much appreciate. Uh, and I consider the weaving in of territorial acknowledgements as part of my work in reconciliation mm-hmm. as a fifth generation settler of Scottish descent. Um, and so... Let's talk about territorial acknowledgements. It's something that I would say maybe since 2010 Olympics has been in the public Mm -hmm. and sort of an atmospheric part of living on the West Coast. If you ever go to a public event, any civic event, it's often you could go to City Hall in Victoria and every speaker who works in government will probably acknowledge that we live and work and play on the land of the Lekwungen speaking peoples. So in this tiny little postage stamp part of Canada, it's very common. Mm -hmm. But I think it's only just starting to be exported to other parts of the country. And certainly when I've gone to 
public events, conferences, and things like that in the U.S. is nothing is ever. Mm-hmm. There's been no acknowledgement of um, whose traditional territories we might be on. So this is a big new learning curve for a lot of listeners. Uh, would you please just define and describe uh, what is a territorial acknowledgement? And what's the difference between an acknowledgement and a territorial welcome? Because mm-hmm. they're quite distinct. For, sure. for me, they are. And other people have their own uh, personal guideposts around those two differences. But for me, an acknowledgement, and we do have, I think you're right, that in this area where we live, it is very common to hear it. And for me, that there's a beauty within that, but there's also a deprivation within that because... In some places, it's now become a tick mark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, okay, acknowledge the territory. Tick, done, I did that, okay. Instead of it being, let me pause for a moment and really think about what am I grateful for about living on this land that was and is of the Lekwungen speaking peoples. And that's so different than just, you know, I'm grateful to live on. Because then it's like, okay, I'm grateful to raise my children here. I'm grateful to be able to be creative here. I'm grateful to be able to walk in the woods and have that medicine. I'm grateful to be able to sit at the ocean. Whatever it is for individuals, that makes it so different than the tick mark. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I it's so interesting you asked this question now because just last weekend I married um, my wife's cousin and her now husband. And in that intro, I talked about acknowledging the territory that we were on. And I was saying, you know, for some of you living in other parts of Canada who have come here to celebrate these two, and for those of you from around the world who have come, you may not understand what it is that I'm doing. So this is why we do this. Mm. This is why we honor the Wasanic people and specifically this area, you know, the, the saltwater people, and this is why, because of the peninsula. So some of that explanation around what is the beauty of the privilege of where we live. And that's, I think, the acknowledgement. Because when I can own, what am I actually acknowledging about the gift of being present on this land is different than, you know, the tick that happens that we mm-hmm. hear, right? You're, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. If you go somewhere, you'll hear almost every single speaker acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Whereas a welcome is usually done by somebody who's from the land that we're visiting on. And if somebody from the land can't do that, then usually a family member will ask somebody else to do it. So in the past, you've seen me do acknowledgements especially at the Victoria Yoga Conference. And I don't do a welcome because it's not my place to welcome. That's because the you're difference. not a member of the, the nations. That make I'm not a member from these nations, and I am a visitor to these lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you say which, uh, which nation so come from? My mom comes from Papikasi's First Nation, which is in the Kapal Valley of Saskatchewan, from the Cardinal and Anape families. And my dad is Scottish and Lakota hmm. from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I wonder what it would be like in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, if you went and, you know, were traveling through there as a writer or something and said, hi, I'm Monique Grace Smith, and, and mm-hmm. um, I want to acknowledge the land of, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I can't remember the first time I heard a territorial acknowledgement. It's been so long. But do you have that experience when you're traveling as a writer where you acknowledge where you're from and people's faces, something happens because it's the first time they've heard that? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even sometimes here, which surprises me, but even sometimes here. And I don't always know if it's because of that it isn't just said in a tick box way, tick, tick mm-hmm. box way right. or if people have never heard it before. And, you know, we had uh, Pride in the Word as part of our Pride celebrations at the beginning of July. And the host of that, his name is Billy Nickerson, and he's a poet, and he teaches creative writing. And he did one of the most beautiful territorial acknowledgments. I had tears running down my face because I've never heard an acknowledgment like that before. Mm. And I was like, wow. He had done some research about the land, about the history, 
And he told a couple stories about his experience being on this land and what it meant to him. And I was like, that that shifts the acknowledgement to a very personal connection. And, and really, that's what it's supposed to be about, right? Mm-hmm. It's about how does my heart and mind connect with this land mm-hmm. that I'm a, a blessed to be a visitor on. Do you remember uh, last fall, uh, you were at my... Um, intuitive business planning workshop and I invited uh, Tiffany Joseph mm-hmm. uh, to provide the territorial acknowledgement and she is a member of Wasanich Nations and so she basically in the language Senchathan was like I acknowledge the willow, I acknowledge mm-hmm. the wind, I acknowledge the soil, I acknowledge this and she did it in a different language like I had tears it was you know this is the the month of the five great winds in our tradition you know and she and we were and it was so windy that day I was Mm -hmm. like oh my god this is like the richness of encounter with the land and the spirits of place Mm -hmm. was so thrilling for me because I've seen many tick box ones you know hi welcome to the meeting uh, we'd like to start by acknowledging that we are conducting this meeting on the lands of the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations, uh, first on our agenda, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. really, it's, you know, it's pretty perfunctory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So thank you for making that distinction between the acknowledgement and the welcome. The what was, you know, the welcome is like somebody from that territory who has, um, you know, you're not just asking anyone, you're usually, Mm -hmm. you know, you found somebody who is able to carry a welcome to others. Um, And for me, part of the beauty is like, even now, whoever's listening to this will be wondering, well, whose land, whose historically land am I living upon? Mm -hmm. Even that is a door opener for many people. Today, I had a call from a woman who's uh, in the fashion industry in New York City, and she was saying, you know, she said, I've learned so much over the last couple of months. And we have these teepees that we have as part of our show. And I'm figuring out what to do with them and how to use them or not to use them. If we can have some way to talk about the appropriation of them. And how do I do an acknowledgement? So I'm thinking, imagine at like a fashion show in New York City that there will be an acknowledgement of the land. Mm-hmm. And I know one day, I, I think it will be Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac, but I know one day I'll be at a concert and there will be that acknowledgement of the territory, mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. moving there, mm-hmm. that the humility of individuals honoring those whose land were gathered on will move us to that place. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's exciting. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, this past weekend, I was teaching the first class of the the newest cohort of the Numinous School. So, you know, this year there's 100 people from around the oh, world. There was, I think we topped out at 40-something live, which is, which is quite a, a lot. And Tiffany provided a ter- territorial acknowledgement on that call. And I said, the reason we're doing this, even though this is virtual, mm-hmm. is a couple of things. I, as the person convening and gathering, I am here in connection because I'm supported by the ancestors of the Mm -hmm. land that I live on. And it's by the grace Mm. of the spirits of place that we are able to connect with the beyond. And they're supporting us in the unseen. And the least we can do is get friendly with our neighbors in the unseen (laughs) realms and say like, oh... There, you know, there, there were people who lived and birthed and suffered uh, losses and parenting joys and marriages. Like he said, all of these things have happened since time immemorial on these lands. And um, if you think that there aren't ancestors and spirits of place supporting your spiritual practice, like you, you let me inform you mm-hmm. <laughs> that there are. So... I wanted to talk about this specifically in the context of people like myself who might be um, working online, doing spiritual work or healing work. Maybe they host retreats. Maybe they produce events like a fashion show or um, they're having a, you know, 
kids camp. It could be for youth. It could be um, they can they lead board meetings. Whatever it is, you're you're a person who's convening gatherings, and you're going to do some kind of work that's that you hope is going to be supported, is going to create connection. Let's say you want to start acknowledging the, the ancestors of place and the territories, the traditional territories, the peoples um, whose land you're on. Who is the best person to offer a territorial acknowledgement? Um, and let's kind of rank it a little bit in terms of like, who would be the best person to do that for you? Let's say you're hosting a yoga conference, you know, we, we, our friend Carolyn has done this, right? Had to figure out how to, depending on where I'm hosting it, mm-hmm. <laughs> who do I ask? And under what circumstances then would you like modify, adapt, and like would other people be okay? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to do ter- territorial acknowledgement? And is there any time or any kind of person or situation or role where it's not okay to do it? Hmm. That's a lot of questions. I know. It's like, <laughs> let's just figure out everything, Monique. It's complicated and I want to know the right um, way because I come from the Western psyche. That's like, give me a checklist. Uh, but let's, um, let's muddle through. All right. So I would say, and this is only my perspective, right? Like, mm-hmm. even already we've had where my teachers have said Wasanic and you've said Wasanich. Mm. And I've heard Tiffany say Wasanich. So there is already, it's important to keep in mind that the pan-Indianism is not something I want to be a proponent of. So all I'm sharing is my knowledge and what I know of you as somebody else, they may have another perspective. Mm -hmm. And whoever's listening might say, well, somebody else told me this. So I think when we talk about spirit, People have to listen to their intuition also and say, does this land for me or not? And if not, then how do I keep doing my research? Mm-hmm. So when I think about it, because I do a lot of work in early years in education, when we look then to say, who can we have to come? And I, it is an acknowledgement, but I see it as when that person comes, they lay down the blanket of medicine for us then to step onto to be transformed in whatever we're participating in. So it's it's sort of not like, okay, well, we can just invite so-and-so. It's like, who comes, who will understand? It's like, I might not want to invite somebody who has nothing, knows nothing about yoga or that practice or why we're gathering, or what is it that calls our spirits to gather around yoga, if they know nothing at all about yoga. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of two things. There's one about who in community is deemed within that community as able to do acknowledgements, and then who within that has the understanding of why we're coming together, why we've been called together, that can lay down that medicine for us, that blanket. I'm using all these as metaphors, right? Lay down that blanket of medicine for us then to step onto, to be transformed. Because when we come together, that's usually what we're seeking, right? Is our, And that may not be our conscious thinking, but it's often why we're called. Is okay, well, how will this dialogue, even our dialogue before the microphone came on has transformed me? Mm-hmm. Or how do we, when a group of us come together, the transformation is profound. And it usually isn't visible. Sometimes it is, but it's usually more internal and intrinsic and may not even be felt immediately. So, for example, I was just in Nanaimo yesterday, and there was two elders who opened... Um, Auntie Florence, and she is from the nation, from Shnanemo, and she laid down this beautiful, I mean, one of the things she said was that, I hope that there's so much joy for all of you over these five days that you leave not only with your hearts full, but all of your pockets and your suitcases full of joy. I mean, how do you not have a beautiful gathering when somebody starts like that, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then um, Uncle Shane Point, uh, who's both from uh, Shanemo and Musqueam, he sang a welcome song for people. So in those two ways of welcoming, and there was people there from across this country we call Canada. I mean, how do you not feel then rooted in a way to be present and be accountable and responsible as you said so beautifully, to those ancestors who are present. Mm -hmm. It means then how I show up for these five days will be different. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Right? My actions and whether we're conscious of that or not. Mm-hmm. For sure. So one of the things I, I've, I've learned a couple of things uh, about this process in terms of approach. Um, uh, and, and, and I don't want to kind of get, get the cart ahead of the horse or anything here, but, um, but I do want to just kind of seed for people that there's, um, in terms of like who can do it, it does take some effort to find out who within that community has been deemed by that community Mm -hmm. that can do that acknowledgement. And then even then you might have to follow up a few times. They may or may not be able to do it. And like you said, the chemistry may may or may Mm -hmm. not be there. I know when, um, you know, when, when I go up to Pachita territory and, uh, Bill Jones comes and does an acknowledgement, I'm usually leading some kind of like witchy type retreat. And he's like, not, <laughs> he's like, you know, we went to the Shaker church cause we had to, cause we were Indians <laughs> taking to school, you know, he, that's how he would say it. Um, but, but I knew Bill's, um, now deceased, but his older brother, when I, he, he was the first man to tell me about residential school and I didn't believe him when I was 21 and we discovered we had this connection. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of potential for personal Mm -hmm. and collective healing. It's like energy work for the collective when you just kind of keep at it. Right. Mm -hmm. And really make sure that you're trying to get genuine connection. It was different when, um, when I go up to um shoe swap area where i lead the wilderness quests and i i had to write so many letters and talk to so many people on the phone and you know ask so many people well do you know anyone <laughs> you know like just like mm-hmm. so many dead ends before i found you know wonderful elder norman retasket explained to him what i was doing it's like i'm trying to lead wilderness quests but in a non-appropriative way this is what i've stripped out this is what i'm keeping in i don't know what do you think and he was like oh i get what you're doing oh i like what you're doing oh i understand i've never been able to do what you're doing but i'm gonna go and help you and so he's come out each time and mm-hmm. it's a very profound experience mm-hmm. to to work and work and work until you finally find someone that you know like yeah. you got a good chemistry with so it's not just checking the boxes again. It's not always going to be the first person that feels great, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, when people are planning, that acknowledgement is part of the list of to-do, but it needs to be the initial part because when we're pa- planning any gathering or even of two people that we know has the potential for transformation, the ceremony of that gathering begins when we begin the first planning of it or the first speaking of it, right? The first speaking of that future. And within that then means that that finding that person needs to be one of the very first endeavors. Because just as you said so beautifully, it took a long time. And if you had left it to the week before the quest began, you wouldn't have had that, right? Yeah. And I think that's sometimes what people think is like, oh, well, I'll just call the band office and some, they'll send me somebody. Yeah, they've got somebody just yeah. on call. They come out like, you know, yeah. like a, a paramedic or something that you just call. They're just waiting. Mm-hmm. No, it's not mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very very good point. And, and I might even back up, and I think I can say this pretty confidently uh, because I've experienced it several times. Again, it's like white settler kind of doing a... A number of public events where you're gathering and and you have this great intention okay I really want to honor reconciliation or I want to honor um, diversity whatever is kind of bringing you to this orientation of like a territorial acknowledgement is important to me um, the first thing is you're gonna that truth bomb's gonna drop on the boardroom table and your <laughs> collaborators are gonna go oh that sounds nice like you know some are gonna be cool with it and some are gonna be like oh well if that works okay and sometimes there's like a bit of pushback, right? It's like, oh, well, we haven't put an honorarium in the budget. It's like, well, then should we be doing this event if we can't toss a hundred, you know, like, and that gets super tense sometimes. And so we have to build in, I think, the time and emotional resiliency as well to um, make sure that everybody's really clear on like what it is and why it's so important mm-hmm. and what it means then to do it in a good way. Um, because yeah, just kind of be ready for that too. That that's always takes me off guard, and it happens 
frequently. It happens. I had a friend a couple of years ago ask for um, some guidance to do this, and I said, "Well, you need to have you know an honorarium." And the person said, "I don't think my board will go for that." And I said, "Well, then I'm not gonna like if you're not yeah. gonna give them an honorarium and a gift." then I'm not going to yeah. help you find this person because that's not respectful. Yeah. And then there was an invitation then for me to come and do an opening, and I just declined because I was like, yeah. when we begin to honor those whose wisdom and knowledge looks different than the Western wisdom and knowledge, that's when our world will shift and change. Mm-hmm. But we're not always there yet. Mm-hmm. And do you mention the word humility? earlier right oh my gosh like you don't realize how much we've internalized Mm -hmm. this kind of western checklist budgetary does it fit does it you know does it fit in our model Mm -hmm. um and so it's like everybody else is doing this by volunteer let's say it's like yeah no this is different (laughs) this Mm -hmm. is like different and so that humility it it does take some practice right It, it take and a lot of people um you know, like I said, you, you know, you might be calling a lot of times, you might not be getting the kind of quick response you want, you know, and you've got an agenda. Well, guess what? This is about repair. Mm. And, and so, you know, it, there's a lot of humility mm-hmm. required. And so, you know, I, I just want to kind of like seed that for folks who might be a little surprised that their well intentions don't roll forward as, yes. as quickly um, as they hope. Now, is it ever okay for non-indigenous folks to perform a territorial acknowledgement um i'm just gonna leave that i think an acknowledgement for sure because you can say right i think in some ways it's just like me sure i am a a nihio woman a cree woman but i'm a visitor on this territory Mm -hmm. so i don't i don't actually think that's any different than you as a scottish woman as a visitor on this territory because this isn't the land that my ancestors come from. This isn't the land that has fed my blood and my being. Mm-hmm. Although it has for 23 years since I've lived here. Right. But a welcome, no, I don't think so. That's right. the difference. So how then, if you are a settler on land, but you want to acknowledge the land, what, what are some suggestions for like how to do that in a good way? Especially for those listeners who are from an area where they've never like seen this before. Mm-hmm. Like Maybe you could just say something of like... You know, here's here's what here's some uh, talking points I might hit. Yeah, well, one acknowledging whose nation it is, offering Thanksgiving for being a visitor or a guest, whichever term, even if they've lived there all their lives, their ancestors do not come from this land, place of land. And then, what does it mean to them to live there, to work there, to raise their family there? What? And this is, I think, a place of humility and reflection. It's like. Oh, I've never actually thought about how is my life blessed living here compared to if I was living, I don't know, even in Manitoba. It would be different, right? Our worldview would be slightly impacted, and it is impacted wherever we live. Mm -hmm. And so what are we grateful for about where we live? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say you you or your organization have decided yes this is very important to us we're placing a high value on um uh being in alignment with our integrity here we want to do a territorial acknowledgement and we want to approach the nation um we've googled and we figured out (laughs) which nation um this land traditionally uh was stewarded by and what do we do I think you can, I mean, there's lots of things you can do. One, you can put a call out to your friends and relatives and say, do you know anybody who is from this nation? And that can be kind of a relationship way of being introduced. Excuse me. And the other way is to simply call the nation, the band office or the health center or the education department or the social programming and just be upfront. You know, I am looking for somebody to help me do a territorial welcome. And I'm really looking for your guidance as to who might be the best person to do that. And I have an honorarium, I have a gift, and any guidance you have for me around how to do this in the best way possible, I'd really appreciate. 
Fantastic. You also uh, gave an excellent piece of advice that I've remembered for years, <laughs> that if you're a bit nervous mm-hmm. about saying the name of the band, or if you, you're seeing it and it's written in um, a, a different script than you're used to, what was your tip? Do you remember? Oh, yes. I think I said to you to call the band office um, and just keep listening to the recording. Like after hours. After hours, so you could hear how, what the intonations were of the languages they described their nation or the health center or whoever it is you're calling mm-hmm. to call after hours and keep listening. Usually their answering machine will, mm-hmm. will say some kind of greeting and they'll usually say the name of their, their nation or their band. And, uh, and I have done that so many times <laughs> when I'm like, I don't know how to say sequapunk, mm. that kind of thing. And so I'm like, I'm reading it and I can't do it. I just call after 7 o'clock p.m. <laughs> I call a lot of times and leave no messages. Um, so after you've done that, there's probably some protocols. Uh, you know, there's and, – and, like, people could learn the hard way, but maybe we could just give them some inside uh, information about, like, generally speaking, we know it's going to be different everywhere. There's going to be local customs, but generally speaking – let's say you've got a name and um and they're like oh this is the person there's probably some good questions you should ask or some like things you need to know in order to figure out how to approach that elder in a good way what what would you suggest so let's say for example you and i are having the call on the phone and you're the person at the health center for example and i and you've said to me you need to talk to betty and so i could say to you then all right, could you help me know what would be the best way to approach Betty? I have some canned salmon, I have some tobacco, I have gifts that I'd love to bring to her, but I also know that some elders like to be contacted by text, Mm -hmm. some elders like to be phoned, and some like to be visited in person. Could you help me understand the best way to connect with Betty? Mm -hmm. And just keep kind of asking that person to help you to understand and then you know then how to best approach Betty Mm -hmm. and the other piece then is that I would go then and take a gift to whoever it was who just helped me so much right so I'd come and say thank you for and I could bring something that I could like your beautiful bouquets of flowers I could bring something I've canned I could bring a movie voucher like you could do all kinds of things you know what I always bring what books by Bonique Gray Smith (laughs) I bring every book that you have and say, if you know some young people, here's some board books, mm. or you could put them in your early childhood education center, and you know, or you know, this book could go to a classroom, or you could share it amongst the staff, or it's for you, whatever you like. And I, whoever it is, I might put other stuff in. You know, for Elder Norman, I usually bring him some like homemade barbecue sauce and some quince jam for Bill mm-hmm. Jones, and just things like that. Um, and and sometimes I've bought um, like something from this land, like you know, going to the Aboriginal Cultural Festival. I'm always looking for like, oh, is there a toque that I think Bill would like or something that mm-hmm. I could, um, you know, support uh, the arts and crafts of the local nation and gift it elsewhere. So yes. it's like kind of. Um, hearkening back to trade and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, gifting. Um, I have also uh, discovered in uh, when I was trying to court and woo a chief and um, specifically his wife, actually, to come and provide a welcome at um, a a large event for youth. and so I, I don't have a car, so I had to like rent a co-op car, go across town, show up with my gift. And the chief opened the door. I said, oh, see, I'm like, you know, thank you so much. I'm sorry to like burst in on you. I was actually seeking your wife, you know. Oh, she's not here. But if you come back tomorrow morning, <laughs> I was like, oh, sure. Um, what time would be good? Oh, 10 o'clock. If you don't get here by 10 o'clock, she's going to get scooped up. Oh, okay. Should I leave the present? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I left the gift. So then I come back the next day, but I didn't want to be empty-handed, so I brought a little bit of jam. Got there at like 
quarter to and I uh, was just getting my stuff from the car and somebody knocked on my window of the car in the driveway. Oh, are you looking for, you know, Mrs. <laughs> and oh yeah, I am. Oh, she just walked down the street <laughs> with my cousin about half an hour ago. I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's my present. And <laughs> like, oh, maybe I'll try to call. And they were like, probably don't do that. I was like, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> so they're, they're definitely... You know, you kind of have to feel into what are the norms with this family and this way of being. With this family, it was okay for me to cold call as long as I was willing to do it half a dozen yeah. times and like bring something <laughs> every time. Um, because it was like, you know, and I said, oh, well, maybe should I call or email? He was like, well, how would she know how much you want to see her then? It's like, oh, that was, there was humility in action. Mm. Good lesson. It's yeah. interesting because, uh, a few years ago, when we were launching My Heart Fells With Happiness, I wanted Elder Shane Point, who I spoke about earlier, to come and do that um, welcome for Julie Flett and I. And I had met him many times, and I knew he lived in Vancouver, So, and I wasn't going to be over any time period. So I said to my friend Joan, do you think I could call him? She's like, oh yeah, leave a message. And so I called a few times, I never heard from him. She said, email him, I emailed him a few times, I never heard from him. I was in Vancouver, I stopped by his house, he wasn't home, and then I'm like, Joan, like, we're like six weeks out and I need to do something. She's like, text him. <laughs> I texted him and right away the bubble started to come up. Oh. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'd love to. Yeah. And so then I talked to him later and I said, you know, I phoned you. And he said, I don't pay attention to any of that. Just text me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so true. It's different with everyone. I'm the same with Tiffany. I just text her, hey, are you going to be around Sunday at 10? Kind of thing. Like, okay, happy to. Um, you know, and, and I think even what I have noticed is it's very much appreciated, even if you're not organizing something. Mm. But if you're a person who's a spiritual seeker and you're traveling somewhere, um, I went down to Death Valley and did quest work down there. Um, and I've done it a couple of times. And the first time I just didn't have this awareness. I was so grateful to the land and, and the spiritual connection I had there. But I didn't know, I, you know, it was like 2007. It was very kind of early mm -hmm. in this self-education and cultural wave that we're catching of just greater awareness about um, uh, settler colonialism. Um, and so the last time I went down was a few years ago and I called ahead, I think, you know, Googled who looked at the map, like whose traditional territories is the spot where I'm questing on. Oh, it's the Timbisha Shoshone. I'm going to call the interpretive center, mm -hmm. tell them what I'm doing. Hey, I'm coming down. I just wanted to know since I'm going to do some uh, work on the land, spiritual work on the land, how could I go there and be there in a good, respectful way? And they were like, well, I'm just so thrilled you're asking. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and so like, this is wonderful. And had I not done that, I would have mm. made a lot of mistakes that I didn't know. I didn't know that the creosote bush was a sacred plant. I didn't know mm. that mesquite was too precious. And, and actually it's, it's protected. You're not allowed mm. to pick it up or burn it. Like, you know, there were all these things that um, I was so grateful to know. It feels good to be a good guest. Mm -hmm. And so then when I went down... I took some copies of My Heart Fills with Happiness and uh, uh, Tilly and and I put them, I wrapped them all up and I knew it was going to be a Sunday, but this woman at the interpretive center had said, have you ever had Indian tacos, Carmen? You should come down for Indian tacos. And it was like 50 miles out of my way, totally not on the route to get to Vegas, but it just felt so good that mm. they'd worked so hard to connect me with like the right person mm. and she was so... Um, pleasant and lovely and how much education she provided that I wanted to give them this little gift. So I wasn't able to get tacos because everything was closed, but I just brought a dry bag with me and I put the gifts in it mm -hmm. and I put them on the door of the closed tribal office <laughs> and had a little card in it, you know, and just mm -hmm. like, thank you so much. So yeah. they got a little surprise, you know, that, that next day. Um, and it was fun. It was a wonderful experience to be able to feel like I was going to surprise somebody with a little gift. Um, yes. So, and I, I, but I wouldn't have known that if I, if you hadn't taught me, mm -hmm. if I hadn't had you to call. So thank you for sharing this with mm -hmm. the wider world too. I just want to quickly share one of the greatest gifts that I've received was from Elder Ganawakas. Her English name is Diane Longboat. And she said to me once, she said, 
you know, we always get given blankets hmm. when we're done. She goes, right. but I have a closet full of blankets. <laughs> she said, I'm always really touched when somebody thinks about what else might Diane like? So one year, she was doing some work for Roots of Empathy, and I got her really... This was when they had just come out sunglasses with the uh, Kareen Hunt design on the arms. Oh. And when they were gifted to her, she started to cry. Because oh. she's like, it's not one, it's not a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> and two, like you really thought about me when you chose this. Mm-hmm. And that's what the gifting is about, right? It's just like you said when you went to the tribal office. It's knowing that my generosity of spirit will alter their day in some way. Mm-hmm. And we can still give blankets for sure, but then one more little added piece. Mm-hmm. Even, I know you love raspberry, so here's some raspberry jam. Mm-hmm. Right? Even that small little addition mm-hmm. alters the generosity. And with a nice card, thank you so much. Like a really, really good card. Mm-hmm. Love doing that. Finding a nice one that maybe evokes the land or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and let's, okay, let's talk dirt here. Honorariums. <laughs> So difficult. No, nobody's ever going to tell you kind of a rate, right? Like, yeah, this is like a very I think it's usually $200 to $250 plus gas. Okay. Is that if you're an individual or an organization? Because now I feel like a cheapskate. I usually do $100 if it's like a local kind of thing plus my gift. Sometimes I gift them something else too like you know oh you're coming to my workshop and you want to come to my workshop yeah so obviously you're coming for free and i'll get i'll pay for your lunch and i'll do all that and all that is bigger than the two hundred dollars then right right Mm -hmm. right okay so uh when i'm out at quest and elder norman is coming from far away i'm adding gas i'm it's significantly greater um honorarium than Mm -hmm. what you're stating uh but I also am like, and if there's anything you want to sell, if you'd like yes. to bring your artwork or yes. your drums or whatever, like, you know, an invitation, if it's possible and appropriate to, because often what I have felt is I'm so grateful mm-hmm. when I hear that acknowledgement, it's touched me so much. The, the sort of clinically, you could call it the somatic charge mm-hmm. is so healing that I'm like, what can I give you? I yeah. would like to buy your print or your knitting or your drum making or you know that sort of thing so i think that's also really appropriate is if if this person has has other things or skills that they're not gonna say hey can i you know bring my carving mm-hmm. if you know that about them i think it's really nice if you can offer it because when, as an audience member i often want to do that yes i want an opportunity to say thank you again and ha- and have a you know a connection piece does that seem appropriate to you? It totally does. And you, I think your point is really valuable that when he comes, he's more there than five or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's the other pieces. And I think, you know, sometimes if we think historically that many of these who are coming, even, even Tiffany, who chronologically is young, mm-hmm. her wisdom is not young no she's considered an elder by her peer like Mm -hmm. her family yeah for sure and there's a young woman also from esquimalt from the uh, dick family who also comes yes and so it's thinking about if we were to ask a doctor to come Mm -hmm. what would their honorarium be even Mm -hmm. if they were only speaking for 15 20 minutes Mm -hmm. right like i've seen some places you know i've been at some conferences where the speaker is ten to twenty thousand oh, dollars, and so and then there's a, a reaction to a two hundred dollar honorarium, and it's like, yeah, okay, kind of we place. have to, yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. That's some. I, I don't like to throw this word around very much because I think it specifically means repatriation of land and rights, but um, that's some decolonization work to do right there. <laughs> if you've just paid a speaker or you've paid travel or hotel for someone and you don't want to give a, like a hundred dollar honorarium to somebody because yeah. you're like, but they're only out there for 10 minutes. It's like, oh my God, you have to lay that down right now. <laughs> yeah. Like Humility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, because I think that like, if I was to come and ask you to do a welcome <clears throat> once that exchange has happened, you're beginning to think from that moment on, what what might be the words that I might want to share to this unique gathering of people? So it isn't that they just arrive and then spout off 
a single mm-hmm. there's always medicine that's laid down and that's in this currency that's worth financial dollars for sure and i think that's worth uh also highlighting to people that you don't get to say what you want your territorial acknowledgement to be like so if your elder starts sharing uh about i shouldn't say your elder i'm like they're mine i love them <laughs> if your guest who is an elder starts talking about their experience in residential school mm. um, and you notice like people starting to brace themselves or whatever you just soften your face feel your feet feel your seat mm-hmm. and like co-regulate your crowd because this is part of the medicine this is mm-hmm. what we're doing here is repair work and so giving some time and space for that is is so um important and i have definitely be prepared for this uh, I've definitely had the experience of an elder who's um, doing a territorial acknowledgement whose personal uh, spirituality is religious. Mm-hmm. They've gone to mm-hmm. residential school. They've gone to the Shaker Church. They've, you know, and so they are offering a blessing that sounds, and, and mm-hmm. like I've gotten emails from, you know, guests and uh, ticket holders who are like, I didn't like mm-hmm. the religious talk in the beginning. And all we can do is respond with like, we don't control, like, we're here in a spirit mm-hmm. of connection and um, re- respect. And, you know, we hope that everybody has a beautiful experience witnessing somebody else's spirituality and the love and the way they're trying to express that to us. We take no position, you know, <laughs> other than, um, you know, sorry, you didn't expect that, but uh, that's what it is. We don't mm-hmm. dictate what our guests are going to say when they come up. And I think that's really important to recognize that, you know, we're we're trying to restore agency and sovereignty to people who have been, um, who to up till right now, uh, have uh, been living in a system that tries to strip of dignity at every turn. And so when you are doing this work of uh, starting to include reconciliation work in, in an acknowledgement, we have to acknowledge that sometimes it's really painful and really mm-hmm. awkward, mm-hmm. but it can be so beautiful. So I, I'm just seeding that because I've had a, f- a number of times where, mm-hmm. you know, 300 people are kind of looking at me after I get the mic back because they're like, what was that? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we have to then be ready, I think, to step into thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for blessing us thank you for sharing your medicine with us thank you for being here that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and then how what should people know about how to treat our guests well Mm. if you are say doing a public event and so now you have an elder that has agreed to come how else can we make sure that they feel well taken care of? Mm-hmm. And it may be it may be an elder. It's interesting. You know, I keep coming back to Shane Point because he was saying to me a few months ago. He said, "I don't, I don't like being called an elder." He mm. said, "I like to be called a cultural knowledge holder." Mm. He said because there are a lot of elders who are not in a good place. Right. And any elder can come and do anything, he said, but a cultural knowledge holder will know a good way to do things. Mm-hmm. And that has really... Re- and because also, like you said, Tiffany, right, as a as a chronologically aged young person, has that wisdom as a, as a knowledge holder. Mm-hmm. For sure. And has been gifted the ability to then share it. Mm-hmm. What was your question? Well... <laughs> So we have a knowledge oh, keeper or an elder, and I, and I I would think that it's the same kinds of practices. But how do we how do we be good hosts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we do this differently? <laughs> I always think that, especially if we're hosting a gathering, that we have one person who's assigned to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And so if I've invited you, then I would be that person that would welcome you initially, and say, and my friend Carolyn here is going to take care of you for the rest of the time while you're here. And we have, and if it's in a large auditorium, make sure that they're seated, the most easiest access to get on the stage if they need to get on the stage, make sure mobility issues are taken care of, make sure they have water, see if they're hungry. Um, 
The way I have thought of it is that, so when I've done the larger public events, I always want someone who also understands why we're doing a territorial <laughs> acknowledgement to be that um, uh, sort of like a personal assistant. So it's like, this is my husband, Ruben. He's going to be your concierge. Mm-hmm. If you need anything, you know, he's there. And then Ruben knows you're going to anticipate and multitask. So you're going to anticipate like, oh, look, their water's halfway. So I'm going to just go ahead and get another full one or, oh, look, you know. And, and so then that um, special guest is treated like a guest of honor mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, when I'm hosting retreats, we invite them to stay for dinner. Yeah. Everybody gets a chance to chat. We're not just kind of moving right into agenda. Um, or if that's needed, we're moving into agenda. Then we pause to say thank you very much to that special guest and make sure that if I then have to be on stage, someone else is yes. walking them to their car, making sure that their ride is there. Offering a ride is another thing, mm-hmm. you know, like... Um, if it is an older person, maybe they need a driver, maybe mm-hmm. they need a lift, that kind of thing. So these are all of the little tools and mm-hmm. <laughs> tricks that I've like picked up along the way. Um, and then the afterwards, that within a week, the follow-up, either a phone call or a letter in the mail, or if that person is a texter and that's how you've <laughs> communicated a text, a simple thank you once more. It's like, how many times do we ensure that they've felt seen? Mm-hmm. Right. That that's the piece. I think that that's how we hold them up with dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. And then what's happened is your relationship is solid. So the next time that you're in need of a knowledge holder to come, they're like, "Oh, I'd love to come, Carmen." Yeah. Right? Because they had such a beautiful experience last time. They're like, "Of course, <laughs> I'll be there." Absolutely. Yeah. Because they know that, however they get there, then they're there and they're taken care of and they're nurtured and they get a little letter in the mail. Like. <laughs> Yeah. All of that. Exactly. It's a really special thing. It's like, yeah, you, it's like, how can I delight this person? Exactly. You know, you're, it really is a courtship in a way. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's a special thing. What do you hope the custom of territorial acknowledgements will accomplish in the long term? Like in our region, mm. in our country, in the world. I th- my hope is that it allows people to pause and reflect on the beauty of where they live mm. and that they remember that there have been people there since time immemorial that may or may not have included their lineage. And, you know, I used to have this beautiful office over here on the bay. And about seven years ago, there was a house being built out on the point, And the architect came and was meandering about and being there. And then he took his lunch and he was sitting down on the rocks having his lunch and he leaned back with his arms, you know how you lean back against your arms to enjoy the sun and the breeze. And his arm kind of went into a little something. So he just kind of began to explore and open and dig in there. And what he unearthed was an old uh, clam gathering bowl that was seven thousand years old when they took it to the rbcm the royal bc museum and you think about how many times has the tide come up and gone down and it's those little discoveries that always makes me realize like yeah i am but a fraction of time on this land that there have been generations before me and there will be generations behind me and so how do i honor this land in the best way now. And I think that's part of what these acknowledgements and the honoring are allowing. As well, it's allowing people in this country where we live, Canada, to reframe and say, oh, yeah, right. I do, Even though I'm five generations or six generations settler, my family actually, their blood and their bones did not come from this land. Mm-hmm. These were not the stars that they initially were born under and grew up under and that allows us then to have a bit of humility and I think then holds up some reverence for those whose traditional land we actually are living and breathing and collaborating and having children on and mm-hmm. 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 so uh, being very real now I I will admit 
that uh, I'm still a fragile white woman. Whenever I hear territorial acknowledgements, I pretty much cry. Mm -hmm. I feel, yeah, I just, even now thinking of different, um, you know, lovely, beautiful, grown men who've told me about their experiences as children in Mm -hmm. residential school. Um, It really pains me. And, and like reconciliation work, it's like, it will really tap some deep places if you let it go there. And lots of times you don't want it to go there. Uh, and it does because being in the presence of, um, survivors and, um, the children of survivors is so powerful. Um, but even though it feels important and even though I feel it's connective work and all of that, there's a part of me that always is like, oh, this is going to, this is going to break my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, we've, we've, I've, we've been on the show a few times and I've asked you about grief and rage before. Um, and, and that was a while ago and we were earlier on in the reconciliation project and maybe we were a little naive or maybe we were like optimistic. I don't know. Um, overly optimistic. I'm still optimistic about it, but, um, so I want to ask you that question again. How do you cope with the big emotions like, uh, grief and rage when you put that in the context of reconciliation? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, for me, when we talk about reconciliation, we always have to include truth because that's why we're here having these discussions around reconciliation is, and and the legacy of residential schools was the truth that catapulted reconciliation, but it's not the only legislation in our country that has and continues to impact the wellness of Indigenous children and families but also significantly impact the relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And that truth is what a lot of people are having a hard time grappling with, that there is so much horror in that truth. And, you know, this country has, has been somewhat okay to say cultural genocide, but the reality is it was genocide mm-hmm. and the, and many legislations were genocidal. And so for me, when I understand that truth, it, it does create a rage within me without question. And that's when I have to go outside. I have to be out on the land. That's, that's for me where my rage can come out because I can put it into the water, I can put it into the trees, I can put it into the ferns growing, because if I keep it inside, it's going to come out towards my children, Mm -hmm. and then it's going to come out towards their children, and then in my mind, the legislation is won, Mm -hmm. and I do not want the legislation to win. Mm -hmm. That legislation has impacted my family, and in ways that for sure have been culturally genocidal in my family. And yet here I am still. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why I choose to write and speak about hope and joy and resilience and and to be consciously focusing on what fills my heart with happiness. Because if I always focused on my grandfather and my mom's those two lives and how those two lives have impacted my life and the lives of my two uncles, I don't know if I'd still be alive, Carmen. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't be sober anymore. Yeah. So we, I, I, and I'll use we, but for me, I make choices about the thoughts that I allow into my head and into my heart. And then I make choices about how, when those thoughts are grief stick and where do I go to release them? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's why sometimes I say no to some work because I'm like, I know that community could benefit, but I don't know if I could rebound from being in that community mm-hmm. yet. Right. Somebody else has to go to that work. It's not my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, like, it's not my time to share what I have to share, and it's not my time yet to learn what I can learn from being in that community. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think wherever I go, it is a reciprocal 
And mostly, to be really honest, I feel like I learn way more than what I share. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and and like you said, you know, when you went to Death Valley calling, I whenever I land somewhere or travel somewhere, I always introduce myself. Mm. You know, to those. So when I was in Shanemo yesterday, to the ancestors, my name is Mystique Washkikos. I come from the Cardinal Nanape families. So that that there is a reciprocal relationship at the very beginning. And then I feel like it opens me to learn and to be present and to hear Auntie Florence's welcome yesterday in a different way mm-hmm. than if I was just coming for a three-hour speaking gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like Yeah. And how do you then continue to seek joy and hope? What are the things that help you fill up with that? I'm very selective who who's in my circle mm-hmm. and the language they use. Mm. Um I choose what I read. I listen to a lot of podcasts that are that fill me, right? And not just my mind and my heart, but all of my cells. And I'm again very I'm I think I'm almost hypersensitive about what do I allow into my space physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Mm. Because I can go down rabbit holes really quickly and then I always know my sobriety is at risk. Mm. And when my sobriety is at risk, my life is at risk. I, there's no question for me that those two don't go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I have children, so my life can't be at risk. Mm-hmm. So I have to be very careful who and what I surround myself with. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And the language I use, my mom and my sister and I went to see Oprah a few years ago in Seattle. And it was, I'll always cherish that memory. But one of the things Oprah said was, Whenever we say, I am, whatever follows that is sure to come and find us. Mm. And I think about that a lot. Like, what is the, how do I describe myself? Like, when I constantly say, I'm tired, I'm tired, what am I feeding? Mm. Right? Instead of, I'm waiting for my second wind. (laughs) (laughs) It's very different, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To say, I'm a survivor is true, but to say, I'm resilient has a different energy to it. Mm. Mm. And so that's, I think, one of the, probably the key way, mm. which is why I sometimes do not engage on Facebook or on Twitter with those pieces that, for me, are toxic. Even mm. though my wife often says, why haven't you responded? Or why don't you call into the radio station? Or my kids say, why don't you do this? It's because... I know the detriment for me to do that and then how that will filter into other aspects of my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I really appreciate you coming on this podcast mm-hmm. and sharing what you have. I know it. it you know, there, there's a cost, even though we have relationship and we've talked about these things, but it's a, a, a an incredible gift for you to share the the knowledge you have about how to how to be here in a good way and share that with the rest of us who um seek to know and you know bungle and muddle through but we're doing the best we can i really appreciate the patience and care and generosity of spirit you've extended thank you well i bungle and muddle my way through too so (laughs) it's part of the human existence Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and anything for you carmen Mm -hmm. you know that yeah I love you too. As I said at the top of the show, Monique is a consultant and also a keynote speaker. If you or your organization would like to connect with Monique to learn more about resilience, uh, increased cultural competencies, education, or if you need someone to hold the heart space of your event through facilitation or an MC role, Connect with her at moniquegraysmith.com, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E-G-R-A-Y-S-M-I-T-H. And Monique has a new novel out this fall that has already been highlighted by CBC as one of the fall's most anticipated new fiction releases. It's called Tilly and the Crazy Eights. It's the follow-up to her best-selling Canadian novel, Tilly, A Story of Hope and Resilience. In this uh, second book in this series, Tilly and the Crazy Eights, uh, go down. It's eight elders, and they go down to the Gathering of Nations powwow in New Mexico. 
Monique has also written best-selling children's books, and I want to highlight one of them for middle year uh, readers that most Canadian adults need on their shelf too. It's called Speaking Our Truth, A Journey of Reconciliation. Through personal accounts of survivors, as well as youth of today, my son included, and Monique's own stories, a narrative is repaired and made more whole and weaves the possibility for a new relationship with our history in Canada and to our future. I hope you'll ring up your local bookseller or hop on Amazon now and enjoy more of Monique's work. If you'd like to join me and my husband, Ruben, at Hollyhock this fall, time is running out. The registration deadline is coming up quick. The retreat is called Ritual and Practice for the Urban Homestead, but we're jokingly calling it Apocalypse Camp because we're going to gather to process our climate anxiety and eco-grief through ritual, community, shared labor, and connection. We'll be learning some key coping skills, and you'll leave with renewed capacity and a more skillful approach that will not only help you stabilize personally, but also enrich the life of your home community. We hope you'll join us. Learn more about it at carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.